Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Every week you say to me, I- I'm not sure we can think of another stack waddy game. And then we always do, don't we? And I that, have too. Yeah. Okay, do you want to go first? It's the gift that keeps on. Well, I could do. I mean, it, is, it, is, it does keep on giving, doesn't it? Okay, try this one, okay? Bands on the John Peel show in the 1980s. Because <laughs> oh, I thought I could remember. It's funny, I was, I was just remembering ones that I thought existed, but I couldn't find any, any trace of them on Google. Do you remember they, they always had names like Careful Quentin, There's a Dog Behind You? Oh, yeah. They, and yeah, the entire crew of the HMS Ark Royal. I mean, I thought those existed, but I, I can find no proof of this. But anyway, what I thought I'd do is, is, is to, to make absolutely sure they did exist was concentrate on five John Peel show bands who actually had sessions in the 80s, right? So here's five bands, all had sessions on the Peel Show, so pretty established, and one of them is fictitious. And they are, in no particular order, 14 Iced Bears, <laughs> Bong Water. Oh, they're real. Go on. Death by Cupcake. <laughs> Trixie's Big Red Motorbike. And Tools You Can Trust. Oh so it's 14 iced bears, bong water, death by cupcake, Trixie's big red motorbike. I've <laughs> no well, bong, bong water surely surely existed. They did. You're right. Uh, Select magazine used to write about them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic name. There was, another, there was, another, there was another band who was on the, on the Peel Show that did a session called Blubber, which is also a great <laughs> Peel Show name. Like bog shit, isn't it? Blubber. <laughs> Two more from Blubber. Shit. Well for that. Go on, yeah, go on. Well, so, I'm, I'm, is right, yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to guess Death by Cupcake. Oh, well done, yet yeah. <laughs> You made it up. I made it up. <laughs> I made it up. Fantastic. No, Tools you, you Trust are sort of vaguely well-known. Tricky's been right You see, yeah. this is where you went wrong, you see. if you, you Death by Cupcake is um, would never be invented as a name by a band who played a peel session because it's just slightly too cheerful. It's too, uh, maybe it is. You know, cupcake, cupcakes. No, you're right. That's very well put. It's a little bit optimistic, isn't it? It's a bit, <laughs> just a bit. 
It's a bit cheery. It's winking See, at you. If, if we're going to go, we're going to go with a load of cupcakes, you know. And they wouldn't be like that. No, well, the very Peel well show. spotted. They're, they're, I deserve to lose. All bands who played sessions on the Peel Show were glass half empty bands, weren't they? That's, that's how it worked. They yeah, they glass, were, that's right. Glass half empty names. But a lot of I, them, I think, probably the, the extent of their ambition probably was to play a session on the Peel Show. Absolutely. I, I think if they'd been offered a major contract by Warner Brothers Records, they would have run a mile and thought, oh, it's too scary. <laughs> OK, well, that's a good category. Here's my category. Boy bands. Okay. Oh, right, OK. Boy okay. bands. OK. OK, five here. One of, them's, one of them's made up. Yeah. Here we go. Awesome. Yeah. Bad Boys Inc., Let Loose, Breaking Crew, and Northern Line. Awesome, Bad Boys Inc., Let Loose, Breaking Crew, and Northern Line. Those are good. Aren't they Those good? Those are really good. <laughs> Bad Boys Inc. Is, is so good that I'm, I no disrespect to you that I think it must be real. <laughs> Northern Line... Because there was E17, wasn't there? So I think Northern Line, oh, that rings a bell. Or was there a mod group called Northern Line? So I'm going to suggest that they're real too. So we're down to, is it Breaking Crew? Breaking yeah. Crew also sounds authentic. I'm not quite sure why. But I think it's between Awesome and Let Loose is the, is the ringer. And I'm going to go for, well, Let Loose has got a nice kind of symmetry to it. And it's, uh, it sounds considered. I, Dave, I think it's awesome. Well, you're wrong. I win. I win. You win. Okay, go on. The, the one I made up was Breaking Crew. Oh, Breaking Crew. That's very good. Awesome were formed in Britain in, in 1995, Bad Boys Inc. 1993, Let Loose 1995, Northern Line 1999. Breaking Crew still do not exist to this day. Fantastic. That's good, isn't Respect. it? Respect. That's really good. Absolutely. You win. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. If you're watching this and not just listening to it, uh, that probably means you're one of our uh, supporters on Patreon, in which case, congratulations to you, because uh, that's the only way that you can make sure that you keep abreast of absolutely everything coming from our burgeoning empire of word in your ear, word in your attic, various crowdcasts with... Uh, well-known authors in which you can participate and also the opportunity to make your next birthday such a birthday that you will never forget. I think that's fair to say, Mark. Have we Completely. got anybody? Has, who's joined our legions of patrons? We have a few new patrons, actually. So many thanks to Paul Cummings, uh, Jim Walker, Guitar PK, Ray Roscoe and Christopher Beale. God bless you. God bless. Welcome Absolutely aboard. All. Welcome all aboard, indeed. And if you'd like to join them, if just go to patreon.com, word in your ear, because that's the only way to make sure that you catch everything that we do and get it early and also get it where applicable in full glowing colour, such as you see before you at the moment. OK, <laughs> what, what are we going to talk about at this stage? Well, Wednesday? I think we should talk about the... We, we, we mentioned to each other the other day that, that in fact, the Rolling Stone have uh, published a new version of their best 500 albums of all time, which they did, they did one in, in 2012. They did one in 2003. They must have done it before that, actually. 2000, 2003, there have been some changes since then. You know, the Allman Brothers, Little Richard, The Doors, people like that were in the top 50, all been booted out now, replaced by, <laughs> you know, Lauren Hill and Kanye West and Outcast. 
Tribe Called Quest, etc. But I mean, the principle of it is that they get 300 artists, don't they? Producers, critics, music industry figures to cast their votes. These people whose uh, you know opinions they they admire and respect, and then they they uh, you know publish the the tally. But are there any criteria that were different this time? Do you get the impression they've done anything differently? Any new rules or anything? I I get the feeling it's a it's a very kind of odd shotgun marriage between. Uh, between what what used to be called the the canon, I suppose, the kind of the uh, standard list of greatest albums, and and hip hop, there's kind of two things that appear to be meeting in this uh, in this particular uh, listing, uh, and and one of the things that struck me is just it's just how many kind of genres are missing totally, you know, that the, 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 they become kind of casualties of this attempt to crowbar loads of kind of recent names into an old, into an old canon, you know. And it really struck, struck me that this uh, kind of whole way of trying to list the greatest albums ever made is past its sell-by date, really. And it, 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 I'd say what's interested me is, is to go back and think about when this wasn't a thing. Because you and I are kind of old enough to remember when magazines and newspapers, well, when there were magazines and newspapers, uh, and they could get through a year without getting giving you a list of the 200 greatest albums you must hear before you die, or whatever, you know, whatever imperative they come up with. But I was trying to remember, when was the, when was the first time that I was actually asked to contribute to such a thing? And the nearest Well, I think, oh, go, go on. on. I, I mean, I, th- I think that they were, the, I think the enemy did it in the 70s. I think it did you? in the late 70s. Did Oh, okay. I, th- well, did, I think they did. I may be completely wrong. And admittedly, it was different then because, you know, the broadly you had kind of, is Marvin Gaye better than, I don't know, Roxy Music or Springsteen or the Simon and Garfunkel or its country and its blues. And and broadly, they're in the same idiom, aren't they? They're, they're, they're types of music that have a kind of a, a rhythm section and, you know, there are guitars. And as you say, the difficulty now is, is, is it possible to compare, uh, you know, Rap music. It's impossible to play Public Enemy with uh, with Abbey Road. <laughs> you know? I don't know what criteria you bring in. That's extraordinary. Because the nearest one, the, the first one I could come up with, and I've actually got a copy here in front of me, is is uh, Paul Gambaccini. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. The top one hundred albums, which was for the benefit of anybody who can't see this, it was done in a large format kind of Guinness Book, or or you may remember those. Um, those books are the album cover albums. Do you remember those things that were yeah. shaped, shaped 12 inch like an album? And uh, coffee table, and there's coffee table. Yeah, there you go. And this was done in the mid 80s. And Paul asked loads of people to contribute, you know. And you, you and I'm I, in were, yeah, we're, that's we're, right, we're in there, you know. And uh, I'm looking at who else we got here Alan Jones, we've got Kid Jensen, we got Andy Kershaw. We've got uh, the people from over the seas, you know, Rolling Stones, James Henke, um, uh, MTV DJs, Charlie Gillett's here, uh, Simon Frith and so forth. And uh, do you want to know what the overall winner was? Can you remember? Have you still got your copy of this? I haven't. No, I did have a copy. OK, the overall winner, this is not, what, 1989? It's going to be, it, it must be a Beatles record. It must it's be. It's 1987, I think, this book came out. But it's it was a, done, probably it was wasn't done a, a couple of years but. It done a couple of years before then. 
It, it was, wasn't the Beatles. It the was Be the Beatles. It oh, was okay, the okay, okay. It was Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Pepper. Hearts Club. And the second, number two, was Born to Run. <laughs> number three was uh, Blonde on Blonde. Uh, number four was What's Going On. Uh, number five, Bruce Springsteen got another one, Born in the USA. Elvis Presley, The Sun Sessions, which is not really an album, really. It was kind of put together afterwards. Uh, Velvet Underground and Nico, Pet Sounds, Astral Weeks, and, and The Beatles' White Album, and so forth. And, I, you know, I was looking at this yesterday and thinking, you know, I wonder, oh, God, there's Nick, there's Nick Logan's here. Big 16 by the impressions. Um, so I'm looking at my, these are my 10 favourite records. Okay. In, in 1985. Now, you know. I already, I can already guess what your favourite is, but go on, yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I said number one. It's, it's kind of, well, it's, it's only as ridiculous as any other suggestion. I said I went, I want to see the bright lights tonight by Richard Lyndon Thompson, which is a great choice. Which is a great record, and um, it, it just, I can remember how excited I was when I was asked to contribute to that kind of thing, you know, that I, mean, I, I probably sat there and agonised about it. Hours at night, I, burning the midnight oil. I've got to impress my fellow critics and also secondary, anybody who happens to read this. Nobody ever thinks about whoever happens to read this, you know. Whenever a load of critics and kind of industry figures get together to, you know, come up with a supposedly definitive list of the greatest singles or the greatest LPs of all time, the, the, their primary motivation is to impress each other. They're Complete. really not bothered about anybody else. Completely. It's coming up with a cooler cooler, and more original choice. Yeah, and also not straying too far off piste, really. You know, they, 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 they want to be seen that they've... They want the other critics to go, do you know they've taken it as seriously as I did, but they've thought of something that I didn't think of. It's That's just a, a, bit, a little bit cooler. Little bit cooler. Yeah, absolutely. Little bit cleverer, you know. And because now I've read, now I've, uh, you know, every other week you get asked to somebody gives you, can you give me your ten favourite records or whatever? Yeah, I, I could, I can invent a totally different top ten absolutely all every the time. Day. You know, I know. You know, well, looking at that, I remember in that book one of my favourite records that was in the studio by the Specials, which is insane. I mean, I must have just put that in because it had just come out. out. No, no, it had been. And I thought, and I thought it'd been, no, it'd been out a while. It'd been out a long while. But I obviously thought it was a masterpiece. I mean, it is a great record, but it clearly doesn't deserve to be in there. But I just felt very strongly. It's just personal choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was looking at the at the the Rolling Stone list, and uh, and I did some analysis. I've got it. Producer's piece of paper. Okay, on, go on. on which good. I've do, done analysis. And um, so the top 50, can I whiz through the top 50? Yeah, go on. And you, you, can, make, you can make kind of, um, you know, strange noises when, when anything's included, which you think, uh huh, or oh, how weird. You know, if this was a highly polished Radio 4 program, we'd have a sound effect, klaxon, that you could. <laughs> okay. Number one, what's going on, Marvin Gaye? We'll talk about that in a moment. Well, I was going to say, that, that needs discussing. Yeah, go on. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, shall we discuss it now? Well, I... Marvin Gaye's What's Going On was a, it's an album about a, a, a Vietnam War vet returning to the homeland. Well, I don't think it is. Isn't that right? I don't think it is. I think they've yeah. completely superimposed that on it. I'll tell you what's interesting about What's Going On. Came out in 1971. And um, here's the story of what's going on. 
was never supposed to be an LP. They, he made a one-off single, which Barry Gordy didn't want to put out on Motown, but they did put it out, and he didn't write it, and it was a really unexpected big hit single. At which point, Barry Gordy said, give me a bloody album. You know, Barry Gordy, who previously never been bothered about albums at all, I've got to put out an LP called that, you know. So they did the rest of it. They put it out. It was, it was a hit in America. It came out in this country to no notice whatsoever. Absolutely no, nobody took any notice. And you go back and look at the original reviews of what's going on. And it was reviewed in, um, in Rolling Stone by Vin Saletti. And Vin Saletti was the guy who always did the R&B records. You know, he was named by Dave Marsh as the Rolling Stone's greatest critic of that time. You know, he always did. He did the records nobody else wanted to do, frankly. In 1971, you know, they all wanted to review James Taylor or Bob Dylan. Nobody wanted to do Marvin Gaye at all. And uh, he reviewed Marvin Gaye alongside the Stevie Wonder record at the same time, which is where I'm coming from. And he, he gave them both, well, kind of fairly non-committal reviews. You know, he, 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 said that, he said the great truth about what's going on is that loads of the lyrics are, are terrible. You know, and um, but he said it's got some good, it's got a couple of good songs, which is the great truth about what's going on. It is an absolutely prime example of the Hammock LP, which is a really good track at the beginning and a really good track in the at the end, and it sags like hell in the middle. <laughs> and that doesn't matter because you think I'm going to get to the you know, so it starts with what's going on. It ends with Inner City Blues and gets away with all kinds of waffle in between, you know. But, but basically, you can post Marvin Gaye's death is when it got, got venerated, you know. So now, now it's, a, you know, it's, a, a, it's a dead artist, a dead genius, and it's recast as it's a story about returning Vietnam. But I don't think anybody took that took that on at the time at the it, time no but don't but don't you think that I mean, the fact that it's connected with real issues and political issues in the real world and it's not just a piece of I mean, you at this particular moment in 2020 to have made i don't know pet sounds which incidentally is number two pet sounds the number one wouldn't have chimed with the times at all it just no, i suppose so. I, so suppose I think there's an element of it just feeling relevant I, I yeah I also have found that, sorry, I, I got out my reference books when we were talking about this. Yeah, yesterday. go on. And I've got here, Robert Christgau's Guide to Rock Albums of the 70s. So Robert Christgau, um, I think still right, I don't know if he's still right, it's in the Village Voice, but for years, used to be the man who used to write the Consumer Guide to Albums, you know. And this book came out in the early 80s. So this, I just thought it was interesting, because this is how the 70s, looked in the early 80s you know and he talks about uh, about what's going on and he gives it a b plus okay in his roundup of albums of the 70s and he says you know um it's it's, it's all it's very shapeless a lot of lyrical ideas are terrible and he said worst of all uh, David Van Der Pitt strings the lowest kind of lowest kind of movie background dreck original grade b it's it's graded b to b plus you know so so that was how it seemed at the beginning of the 80s you know whereas all these things prove is is what the what they say more about the time we're in than about the time it's passed don't they 
they'll like you. Like I think they do. I think that's a really interesting point because most of the records that that are in this were considered to be great at the time, weren't they? You well, know, the ascent of Nick Drake's a good example. Nick Drake was loved at the time, but loved by very few people. Very few people. And subsequently been discovered by loads of other people who love it just as much. And well, you see, timeless. And the, you see, that, that is the... Um... That is the point, isn't it? That that things are more popular nowadays, long after they're popular, <laughs> than they yeah. are at the time that they're popular, because it's just something that happens with the nature of the audience. So anyway, what's going on? They have as number one, Pet Sounds number two, uh, Journey yeah, Mitchell. Bl- Pet, sorry, Pet Sounds number two. <laughs> no, God. honestly, Dave, there are a million. I mean, it's a fantastic record. But I mean, the, the fact there's no Beatles record higher than that seems absolutely well. Okay, okay, but they've done that. I mean, they they they've. I don't know what kind of shuffling has taken place here to get this order. Well, that, there may be some shuffling. Who knows? We, we, because we num- num- number three is Joni Mitchell's Blue. Number four is Stevie Wonder Songs in the Key of Life. Abbey Road, Nirvana, Nevermind. Number six, Fleetwood Mac. Number uh, Rumors. Number seven. Prince, Purple Rain, number eight. Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks, number nine. Number 10 is Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Number 11, Revolver. Which, to be fair, is a good, very good record. Okay. But is it a better record than Revolver or The Beatles? No, no, but that, it, it, it's impo- what, what, what can you say? It just doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make okay. any sense at all. I keep I going. Mean, 12, 12 is Thriller. Number 13, Aretha Franklin. Uh, Never Loved a Man. Number 14, Exile on Main Street. Number 15, Public Enemy. Takes a Nation of Millions. Number 16, The Clash London Calling. Kanye West. Hang on, The Clash London Calling. See, that's interesting. Now, that's a great record, but that is a sprawling, unfocused, to some extent, triple album. No, it's not triple. No, the Sand in Easter is triple. Oh, which is, sorry, it's a double album. album, Yeah, so duking it out with, with big, highly focused hit machines. Like uh, um, you know, like like rumors and uh, and thriller. But anyway, so go on. It goes, it goes on, it goes on. You know, and then you get, you know, I don't know. You get uh, Sergeant Pepper makes in number twenty-four. Tar- Carol King's tap- tapestry number five, just one <laughs> one place above Patty Smith's horses, uh, and twenty-seven Wu Tang Clan enter the Wu Tang. Uh, D'Angelo Voodoo is, is number twenty-eight, which is a really good record. Uh, the Beatles' White Album, but it's like one above the Beatles' White Album. <coughs> one above uh, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Number 31, out of nowhere, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, suddenly, suddenly appears. Oh, hello, jazz. You jazz. Really? So that's <laughs> the thing, is that, that jazz isn't very broadly represent, represented, is it? I mean, uh, is Songs for Swinging Lovers in there? I don't think it's in there. Is it in there no, no, at no, all? No, no, no. None of those. No, it's just one Miles Davis record. It's kind of blue. And that's above Beyonce's Lemonade and uh, Emmy Winehouse Back to Black. Anyway, the um, the points that struck me when I went through the top 50, how many of the top 50 would you say were from the 80s? Um, I think it's well, I've got to tell you. Probably quite a lot. No, very few. No. Okay. Only six, because okay. what's happened in their kind of recasting of the past, they've gone, 60s are all right, 70s are all right, more recent stuff's all right. But the 80s well, is we, an embarrassment. We, it's the 80s is an embarrassment. We've kind of decided we're not happy with that at all. There's whole areas of this are just kind of excluded 
Well, you know, there's no at the top fifty. There's not a Led Zeppelin record, is there? No, there isn't. No, we don't think there is. No. There's no hard rock. There's no heavy metal. There's no. There's no dance music. There's no electronic music. There's no craft work or anything like that. You know, craft work not appearing. There must be in the top. They're not the top fifty, are they? Right? No, they're not in the top fifty. Yeah. I don't know. There may well be. There may well be further down. There's no kind of I don't know Pet Shop Boys or New Order or anything like that. Talking Heads get in here, I think. They're in there somewhere, yeah. They're just about. Um, Made in Light, I think, is in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it, it just... That's why I come back to this point. It, it's, it's, the, it's the attempt to kind of stand hip-hop up against classic rock and say, this, this is... One is worth as much as the other. And, uh, you know, all that... I think that does is, is is draw your attention to the fact that mostly hip hop doesn't make LPs, largely speaking. You know, it's not about sustained experiences. I'm not even sure that rock is anymore, but there was a time that it was. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, and this this strikes me as a list put together by people who just want just wanted to look right. Rather than, but that's something to do with the fact that a lot of those rock critics, what you were saying earlier, they're they're they're, they're achingly fashionable choices, aren't they? Incredibly voguish. But I mean, you can, there is a counter argument that, that the the point of this, apart from obviously promoting Rolling Stone, which is fair enough, we've all done it on magazines that we work for, and we've all had our own greatest hits on whatever it was, Q or whatever. But I mean, the point of it is to encourage people to talk about, to 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 get involved in the debate and to listen to new music. And if you approach that and thought. I've never heard, in the unlikely event, um, you know, this particular area of singer-songwriters and Joni Mitchell's record, Blue, is meant to be the third greatest ever made. I must go and hear it. You know, if you thought, I've got to try some hip-hop album, then presumably it takes a nation of millions by public enemy. The fact that it rates so highly in this is is an encouragement to go and check it out, isn't it? I mean, you know... I suppose I, I tell you the other thing that struck me looking at it. I don't, if you, I don't know if you look, you know, most people look at these things online, obviously, nowadays, um, you know, as opposed to in print. And if you go and look at this on online, on the Rolling Stone site, it's really interesting because looking at a list of the 50 greatest albums of all time or the 200 albums of all time or whatever, in print was a pleasure because... It lent itself to print, which is turn the page, and I can see. I couldn't agree more. I looked. I, I looked see, at it online. I can see twenty or forty. Looking at this online is the avoid all the ads, and oh, it's just a nightmare. It's the most agonising experience. It's it's it so annoying, and you of, also can't go back and see what was full of ads. You can't see it. You think okay, that's number forty-eight. God, what was forty-five again? Oh, I can't, I'm going to go back. I'm going to have these ads. It's it's just. Ponderous and it's just it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, the internet doesn't do those kind of things well. It does print and paper does them really, really well because you constantly compare it to what you want to do. Yeah, and uh, you know, they, they ought to. It's I mean, it's a curiously old-fashioned thing to yeah. do. Is to do this so kind of list. Another issue is oh. that that uh, there is at least one. I mean, there must be more than one, but there's at least one compilation album. So, <laughs> Legend by Bob Marley. Which is greatest hits. Which is his greatest hits. I mean, obviously, it's a fantastic record. 
and you could argue that you're recommending the greatest records ever made and therefore somehow this is because it c contains this extraordinary collection of songs it constitutes his, his greatest work but i mean it's you're not comparing that with a self-contained you know <laughs> artistic statement like an album like like, like for example the live album by by, by bob Marley. Well, you know if, if you're gonna if, you, if you're gonna have bob Marley's legend have Smokey Robinson and the Miracles greatest hits. You know, have yeah. loads of people's greatest hits who've made, you know, Phil Spector's greatest hits, whatever. You know, they, they've got as much right to be there as, as Bob Marley. It's yeah. just basically, they think, well, we've got to get Bob Marley in. How are we going to do it? And, and of course, they don't know enough about Bob Marley albums to realise that quite a few Bob Marley records are really, really good LPs. Incredible LPs. But, you know... They just think, oh, okay. Kaya, excellent. Legend the live album is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it's a ridiculous. Oh, I'll tell you the other thing that, that I found interesting in my, um, my survey, the top 50, is how American it is, obviously. It's really interesting if you look at lists from American publications generally, when you start going down the list. I did the same thing with the, uh, with the American Film Institute uh, list of American greatest films. I thought, are these all American? They, they seem to be all American. And then you get, you get an English one or a French one or whatever comes in later on. But how many of the top 50 are from the UK in the last 20 years? 20 years, Mark. 20 years. Quite a long time. How many are from the UK? I'll tell you. Two. Okay? They are Amy Winehouse... <coughs> And, uh, and one Radiohead record, which just about sneaks in, because it came out in the year Kid 2000. A, that's right, yeah, yeah. It was out in the year 2000. So that is kind of like saying, you know, well, we're really not interested in music from overseas anymore, and, and it's, which is probably the case. So Pet Shop Boys, New Order, or they must be in there somewhere, aren't they? Well, I'm looking at the top fifty. Well, Roxy Music wouldn't be. I mean, Roxy Music was a kind of flop in America the first time. Yeah. I mean... The, the highest David Bowie record on here is in the top 50 is, um, is Ziggy Stardust, number, which is number 40. Uh, so, you know, all that stuff doesn't matter at all. So, you know, it's incredible like a, American uh, bias. <laughs> it's incredible American That's outrageous, really, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, what, what, so what's the point? To get talked about. The point well. is to get. I know there's been a lot of debate about it, and it, that's the point of these things. They're there to wind you up, and they succeed. You know, I mean, yeah. if it could get you, point you in the direction of listening to something you never heard before, uh, all well and good. But I do agree with you that the fundamental, fundamental idea of that now seems less and less sound with every passing year, because of the variety of stuff that you're having to compare. It does. Uh, and also, it's, it's not an original idea anymore. You know, it's not, it's not as exciting. And when these things first happened, they were really thrilling. They were. I can remember they, publishing they, on Q magazine. We loved it. Well, they were, but I suppose it was because you were more likely to have heard more of them. And therefore, you had views on, on them, you know, whereas the likelihood of, of the same people having heard a large proportion of these it, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's not very likely, is it, really, that you would have, have heard, you know, I don't know, Blonde on Blonde and also Kendrick Lamar. The tribe I, called Quest. I, I think there are very few people, that, you know, I mean, yeah. and there, there will be rock critics, mainly the ones who've, who've heard both of them, you know. Yeah. But, um, 
It's extraordinary. So, I mean, you think about the list that did, that did, um, you know, the were kind of interesting and exciting. We, do you remember that Elvis Costello list? Oh, I remember that vividly. I thought that was fantastic. And the reason I liked the Elvis Costello... He did a list in Vanity Fair, was he? Did, it was in Vanity Fair, and he did it about... Oh, I can't remember how long ago it was now. But he had... Um, yeah, you know, he had the Bee Gees and Abba and Chet Baker and Jeff Buckley and Ray Charles and Grandmaster Flash, Elgar, so there's classical music in there too. Yeah. There was Georgie Fame, Madness, Pulp, New York Dolls, you know. And the reason that worked for me was entirely because I feel I connect with Elvis Costello. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah. I kind of understand where he's coming from aesthetically. Um, and therefore, whatever he likes, based on the songs he wrote himself and, and the kind of person he is, you know, I, I, I tend to take that opinion very seriously. And yeah, I thought that was really useful. I felt the same a bit about the Dave Marsh, thousand and one. Yes, remember which that is, Dave Marsh? Well, yeah, he wrote a book, which I is one of the great books called the Heart Heart of Rock and Soul. I think it was called. Yeah, and it was the thousand thousand and one greatest singles ever made, and he writes, you know, quite lengthily about each of these singles. But also, it's easier to compare singles somehow because they're all a little three to four minute. Statement of yeah. intent, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're all in the same idiom, and uh, and also this was 1969, I think it was, and he was. Uh, what was his favorite? I've scribbled some of this down. He heard no. from the grapevine. Oh no, it's it's published. Um, it published it in the 80s or 90s or whatever. But um, yeah, his his greatest single was heard it through the grapevine. Um, it's only good for second, wasn't it? Public got a brand new bag. James Brown was third. Four tops, fourth. Righteous Brothers, fifth. And the Stones' Satisfaction Six. I mean, I, yeah, I, I found that really compelling. It was brilliant. But Elvis was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And the fact that he combined such a variety of stuff there was there was old music hall in there. Yeah, yeah. There was loads yeah. of country and western. There was tons yeah. of soul music. There was folk music. He likes absolutely everything. And loads of classical, which I find really interesting because that's the stuff I need some, you know, direction. No, it's the appeal of, a, of an individual rather than um, a committee, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is effectively what you got with, with Rolling Stone or any of these things. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it's anybody who cares enough to have written down, and he wrote down quite a lot. I can't remember how many there were. It might be 200. Or, there was a lot. It was a big, big old thing, wasn't it, that he wrote? 500. Was it 500? Okay. 500 albums. Yeah, and so, you can get them online, they're all there alphabetically. It's pretty okay, cool. Right. And um, anybody bothered enough to do that had something worth saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and he, he definitely did, and I heartily recommend that to anybody. But, you know, it's just funny how these, um, how kind of recommendation works, you know, that I've always thought that you, you, you the recommendations you take most seriously are from the people who recommend things most sparingly rather than the people who do loads all the time, you know. Whereas, you know, if I turn on, you know, the radio, there will be a radio professional whose job it is to pretend that every week there are three amazing albums and therefore you won't take any notes of any of them. Because they're doing that absolutely all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly the same with the film critics. Whereas the person really? who does it very occasionally, you take that seriously. You know, you, you, it's really odd. How you but also, that it's because they've 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 had 
a lifetime to to live with those records and mull them over and it's not an immediate reaction it's not kind of this is out and it's new and it's exciting it's just i've lived with this and, uh, i'll tell you i'll tell you what there was an interesting case of this and not in the area of music only the other day our old mate and colleague jim irvin who's you know been on being our guest in word in your attic he just happened to to tweet he said i've been i've been loving recently a french series called call my agent oh yeah you've been watching Netflix. That. yeah and i just thought jim says that okay jim doesn't stay stuff like that all the time i'll try that and you know and then there are millions of professionals all the time telling me to watch this telly or that telly and i don't take any notice of them at all whereas jim suddenly saying this is really good. I thought I'm going to watch it. And it is really good. And I've really enjoyed it, you know. So I'm looking out for people who are not experts, actually, oddly enough, to recommend me things, you know, things that are slightly off the beaten track. That's how it works. It's a funny old business. The Word Podcast, one of the few things you really need in life. I was pleased to see that Michael Kuanuka won the Mercury Music Prize, weren't you? I don't normally applaud these things, uh, the winner of the Mercury Music Prize, but I was pleased. Yeah, just that's just a really good record, isn't it? And he's made made some really interesting records. I mean, just just big. And it, it's kind of mass appeal. People our age love it. You know, any age people love it. It's soul. It's psychedelic rock. It's gospel on bits of samples it's good i saw him on jules holland the other night and he played that that track hero which of course sounds extraordinarily like um hendrix's version of all along the watchtower it's the same chord sequence so it seems kind of familiar but it's it's kind of different and contemporary and yeah i thought it was, it's terrific it's difficult isn't it with the th- with the thing like the any kind of prize jury donated prize like that jury awarded prize like that that um that they're kind of caught between uh wanted to recognise the kind of uh, the adventurous, but also at the same time, they really want the people who only buy one record a year or, or stream one record a year or whatever to like it, whatever, whatever happens to be the winner. And I would have thought in that case, they would like it. If somebody said to you, this has been, you know, voted the best new UK LP of the year, you, you, you'd buy that quite happily. You'd, you'd you really? buy it and you'd really like it, exactly. You'd, yeah, you, you might not adore it, you might, but you know, but you wouldn't feel that you've been kind of, you know, you've been cheated or anything like that. It's funny, I was looking at um, uh, the previous rin- winners of the Mercury Music Prize, and obviously there have been cases where they've... Um, I thought know, there's been. A, I thought the hit rate was very, very good, actually. Well, I think Primal Scream won it, didn't they? But, it, but that, that was early on. That was early yeah. on, and and you know things like uh, Franz Ferdinand uh, and so forth, Arctic Monkeys, Ronnie Size. But then, yeah. but then, well, you see, that didn't do much. I don't think Anthony and the Johnsons did that do much. Claxons, Missile. Good record. Claxons, they're good records. Though. Okay. Really. Speech to Bell, uh, the XX, uh, Elbow, Alt J. <laughs> James Blake, Young Fathers, Benjamin Clementine. Uh, Start the tail off a bit there. Well, this is it. Is Sanfer, Sketch is kept to this right. <laughs> uh, so I think they'll be pleased to see that um, that it's something like this. Also, interestingly enough, because they presumably because they couldn't have an event of uh, under the current circs, 
and also I don't think it's I don't think it's historically been the easiest thing to place on television. You know, it's moved about between Channel Four and ITV and all kinds of things. They ended up announcing the winner on the one show, didn't they? Which, That's right. Which must have brought it to the attention of a far wider audience. Than I thought it was a good ruse. No, absolutely. That's probably not their first choice, but it's worked out really Oh, you have millions well. of people watching. Yeah. Absolutely. Huge numbers. Um, no, it's there was funny. an event on the Booker Prize, wasn't there, recently? Was it Lee Child? Was, uh, no, this is it. Brought in no, to... but they, no, the Booker Prize, they, they've just announced the shortlist. And, uh, you know, I think the Booker Prize kind of lost its way in the last few years. I personally don't see why they admitted American novels in there at all, for God's sake. You know, it used to be, used to be UK and Commonwealth, didn't it? I think that's how it was. But anyway, can't see the point, but they've done that. And, um, and uh, they, they, there's obviously been some attempt to bring it back into line this year. Because among the jurors was best-selling thriller author Lee Child. It was I heard him interviewed on, on Times Radio, where he said he, his job was to make sure no shit got through. The implication there being <laughs> that had in the past it. there's been some, uh, been some because, mistakes. And yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a real issue with that sort of stuff. You know, because it kind of supposedly you know um, recognises. I suppose what you call literary fiction, isn't that what they call it nowadays? Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's kind of fairly serious stuff and so forth. And so if you're only, only going to buy one book of that kind of year, it's best that it be something that you can read. You can probably get to the end of, you know, I think that's, that's a good thing if, if it's done that, you know. Yeah. Call, call, me, uh, call me timid, you know, but I think that that's no bad objective. And so I haven't read any of the ones on the on the shortlist this year, uh, but having heard Lee Child's recommendation, I might well I might well do so this year because a couple of years ago I firm did, hand on the tiller, absolutely yeah couple yeah. A couple of years ago when they they recommended when the winner was Lincoln and the Bardo, and I thought oh I probably really like that, and I, I bought it and I, I just. I can, about four chapters in, I thought, I can't deal with this at all. And I tweeted to the effect that I can't deal with this. You know, oh, I'm going to read a lot of books. And various people, you know, chimed in saying, I couldn't read it either. And I thought, if you've awarded the prize to the people, to, to a book, where the people who are, who are your, your intended buyers go in there and, you know, and stagger back in amazement at how difficult it is so you to mean read. just You've stylistically just, it was too difficult to read i just couldn't read it i could not read it couldn't understand what was going on and uh you know if i'm not the only person who felt like that you've probably gone wrong and you were awarding completely the prize. I, mean, I don't know but um so it'd be interesting to see who comes out as the winner of that um what have you been reading recently well, no challenging works of fiction, actually. To be honest, the last thing well, the thing I'm in the middle of right now is, is a new book by Dylan Jones, which we're going to feature on the podcast, actually, on October the 6th, which is about the new romantics, which is such a good idea. It's a, right. it's a really good idea to write a book. It's a fascinating story. You know, and he goes right back and looks at the whole origin, oh, where it all comes from, and it's Bolan, and it's, you know, it's, 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 um, it's Grace Jones, and it's, it's craft work on tomorrow's world, and it's... Uh, Saturday Night Fever, and uh, you know all the all the all the elements that go into the pot, and, and the whole thing about the punk rock explosion and the way 
So it's base. It's basically absolutely all the stuff that's not reflected in Rolling Stone's top five hundred. Completely, <laughs> it's entirely about the eighties. It's an antidote. Yeah. It's an antidote to that. Okay, so that's to look forward to. to. Uh, so we're talking to Dylan on uh, October the sixth. Is Six, that right? I think it is. I uh, think so, yeah. And so if you're a Patreon supporter, you get an opportunity to, to be, as we say, in the room. In the room. As the conversation happens, and everybody else has to wait until it's out there as a podcast in due course. Stay tuned. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Hey. 